Welcome to Engagement Matters, the podcast for business professionals who want to effectively engage with stakeholders and increase the productivity of their teams. Brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. For more resources and to subscribe to the show, visit jhw.com.au. Hello there and welcome to episode one of Engagement Matters. The theme of Engagement Matters is productivity through better engagement with stakeholders, customers, clients, with our management, peers, subordinates, and anyone else you need to deal with. In this first episode, we're going to address one of the most obvious of places where we might be able to lift productivity, meetings and how in particular we might plan to get better meeting outcomes. My name is Christina Canters, and today I will be interviewing John Williams, CEO of JHW, a training organization that trains over 500 executives each year how to get superior results through building stronger stakeholder engagement. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christina. Can you first of all explain to us why accomplished professionals need to plan for meetings? I mean, let's face it, most of us have been doing meetings for some time now. Yes, good question, Christina. Um, Many of our listeners will have done hundreds, perhaps thousands of meetings and probably don't have a lot of time to waste on any unnecessary planning. Yet without proper planning, I would suggest that we're often going into meetings hoping to survive, whereas with good preparation, we should be confident of achieving the best possible outcomes. You see, every opportunity, sorry, every meeting is an opportunity for us to move ahead on an initiative or to break down barriers to success or to build stronger relationships, to get better understanding of our stakeholders' opportunities and constraints, to move our trustworthiness uh, forward and and demonstrate our value and ultimately to progress our careers. These are not just going to happen if we don't plan for them. Okay. I understand. But so many of us are already so strapped for time. I'm just thinking, you know, the listeners might be thinking this and just don't have the bandwidth to add more planning time. What do you say to that? Yeah. Um, caught in the trap between working harder and rather than perhaps working smarter. Okay. Look, if you keep underachieving in key meetings, your workload will keep increasing just to keep up. It becomes a vicious cycle. We can break the cycle by starting to plan our meetings better, achieving better outcomes at less effort, and then getting ahead of the game. Okay. But I feel like a lot of people listening would feel that they're already doing a pretty good job. Does that mean that you think that people are underachieving? Yeah, I don't want to be rude here, but I'm (laughs) I'm sure we are. Uh, What are we measuring our performance against? Let's face it, these days, surviving isn't a bad outcome (laughs) compared with uh, not surviving. Let me tell you, really senior successful executives take the time to formulate a plan, work out what they're trying to achieve, how to get there, what obstacles they may encounter, how to overcome them, and ensure they're always building stronger relationships, achieving outstanding results. These are professionals. Frankly, if you're not doing all of this, you may be enthusiastic, you may be talented, but you're an amateur and not 
probably not achieving as well as you could for your potential. Mm. Okay. So if this is something that, you know, we want to start doing, where do we find the time to get started and how do we go about doing it? Okay. Uh, One question at a time. First of all, (laughs) where do we find the time? Um, Actually, the time is pretty easy. As soon as you start to plan properly for meetings, you start to realize that a whole lot of the meetings you go to, you probably don't need to be at at all. There are meetings of no value to you at which you have no value to add. Have you ever come out of a meeting and thought, I'm never going to get that two hours back? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, professionals don't. Within five minutes of their planning for that meeting, they've realized that they don't need to be there. They don't add value They and they decline that meeting and give themselves an hour 55 to do something valuable instead. If you did that twice per week, you could increase your productive time by 10%. Mm. So you're saying the first step is to actually go to less meetings. Exactly. Right. And then to use that time that you've gained to then plan for your other meetings to make them more effective. That's starting to make sense. Okay. Sure. Now, getting back to your other question, how do we go about it? We've built a a template to help you plan for more productive meetings. You can probably double your productivity and success in some meetings with just a quick 10 minutes of planning. Alternatively, for really critical meetings that are going to impact on your immediate career, the ones that you really nail to get need to nail to get deadlines signed off and so on, this template will take you through the meticulous planning that might be an hour or two in order to get the best possible results in those really big, important meetings. Mm. I should probably explain here that what John's referring to, this template is called the call plan, which he's actually developed as an app, uh, which you can get from the app store. Uh, I think you search for JHW call plan. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, both Android and Apple. Yep. Um, JHW call plan, that should get you there. Sure. So that enables you to plan your meetings out really easily and much more quickly if you were to do it on your own. And I know that there are a few elements to that call plan app. So John, can you talk us through what they are? Yeah. There's five key headings really. Um, The first one is objectives or if you prefer outcomes. If you don't know where you're going, that's probably where you're likely to end up. Let's think it through clearly um, what we're trying to achieve at the meeting. What's realistic and possibly let's add in some stretch objectives. Let's push ourselves. When you do this formally, you tend to come up with more opportunities in this meeting than you would have been discovered just by turning up to the meeting. So um, how many outcomes or objectives should you have for each meeting? Because I know that with goal setting, some some people like to only set one goal, whereas others like to set multiple. What what do you recommend for, for meetings? Well, Sometimes it is just that one. There's something that I really need to mm. get achieved here. I need to get sign off on this milestone. I need to get your agreement to something. I need to understand your requirements. So sometimes there is one key, you know, core mm. objective. 
uh, often there can be a number of other objectives. So for instance, if I'm meeting a client for the first time, um, sure, one of the things I want to find out is what their needs are, what their requirements are. But having found out some of those requirements, I want to start to understand whether perhaps they have a budget um, to start you know, solving that problem or um, what the decision criteria are be around making a final decision on going ahead. So uh, I'd usually think three or four objectives is not unusual. And, and in some meetings, you know, five or six objectives uh, can be quite manageable. Mm. So I know you've got a couple that you consider to be mandatory for every single meeting. Yeah. What are those? For every meeting, uh, it's an opportunity to build and increase the level of engagement we have with that stakeholder or not to do so. If we fail to do so, we're probably going backwards on engagement. At any one time, you're either moving forward or you're going backwards. So one of my mandatory objectives, I call it a mandatory objective, is build engagement. How can I increase the trust, the rapport, Mm. and the perception of value that I enjoy with this stakeholder? As I say, if we fail to do that, there's every chance that we might be going backwards and making business harder to do in the future. And there's a a lot to do with building engagement, which is an entire other podcast series and we'll be expanding on that in other episodes. So make sure you you listen to to the other episodes in this series on how you actually do build that engagement. For the but for the moment, that is one thing that, you know, John always tries to do in his meetings and exactly. that you should do too. The other thing is um at the tail end of the meeting, I have an objective uh to agree plan of action. If we don't agree the plan of action at the end of the meeting, then generally speaking, nothing happens as a result. And much of the value from that meeting is lost. Um, So I like to formally agree that what's going to happen as a result of this meeting. Christina, you're going to do A, B and C. I'm going to do D and E and F. We're going to get together again in two weeks time. I'm going to set the appointment. So we keep this initiative moving along rather than it just dying through apathy. So do you follow this up with a confirmation email? What, what do you do? Very often, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it's easy to write that email because I've already rehearsed it out loud um, with the stakeholder when I finished the meeting. Mm. Now, here's another trick. Rather than just have an objective that says agree plan of action, I usually start drafting what that plan of action should be, what the perfect plan of action mm. would be. If this meeting goes really well and I start mapping that out before I've even attended the meeting. Mm, so it's almost like another goal. It is. Yeah. It's exactly what I'm aiming to get to um, by the end of the meeting. It, can make, it makes us very outcome focused. Okay. So those are the objectives, that, which is the first part of the core plan. What's the second part? The second heading is people. Who's going to be there? Do I recognize their personality? And how can I adjust to their style to help the meeting become more collegiate, to give myself a better chance of getting on with them? Mm. Now, this is in itself a highly detailed topic that it's it's all about the personality compass that is something that we'll be covering in more detail um, in in further podcasts. And that's something you also teach on your work on your in your public workshops as well because yeah understanding the different personality styles really really important but we don't have time to discuss it in detail now yeah but in short 
you don't want to be going in at a high level of detail if the person you're dealing with is a big picture person. Mm. Similarly, you don't want to go into a meeting with just the big picture if you've got a really detailed stakeholder. Mm. For those that are highly analytic, you need to be able to get to the same level of analytic. You, know, you need to be prepared for an analytical type meeting. That's the sort of thing that we're talking about there. But as you say, we're going to have several podcasts all around personality compass and how to adjust to them um, in, in the series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those because I've, I personally, I found that really, really helpful. So I know the listeners will get a lot out of it. Great. Okay, let's move on to the third part of the call plan. The third part is what we call the opening statement. You only get one opportunity to have good first impression. So for many of these meetings, it's worth crafting a good opening statement, uh, summarizing where we're trying to get to. Rehearse it before the meetings several times so that you can be confident of getting off to a good, crisp, professional start. It doesn't take very long, but it can make a big difference in how the meeting starts. So it's like treating the meeting like a presentation that you're giving. Absolutely. Okay. I, think, yes. I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. So it's a great mindset to have when you're preparing it. Yeah. So, and I know that is something that you teach on your, your presentation courses as well. So it is, yeah, yeah, it all, yeah. all ties into to good, like good presentation, isn't it? What you've got to remember is when you move it, walk into that room, um, if you like the person's, the other person's dial, their attitude is usually around neutral, slightly positive. And as soon as we open our mouths, their dial is either moving into the positive or negative <laughs> territory. And once it starts going in one direction, it tends to keep reinforcing itself. If we get off to a really good start, that dial is moving into positive territory and it becomes self-reinforcing. But if we bumble and jumble and mess up the opening, mm. they're starting to think, maybe I'm dealing with an idiot here. And everything after that, they interpret as a reinforcement of that. And it really is hard to turn the tide around if you get off onto the wrong foot. So for a couple of minutes preparation, it's really worth getting mm. off to a good start to your meeting. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. The fourth part of the call plan. Questions. Key questions. Ooh. Okay. So the fourth part of the call plan is uh, thinking about what questions we're going to ask. What information do we need? And there's other reasons why we ask questions. What commitments are we looking for? It's worth getting these questions right as well. No good asking closed questions when you're trying to get a good dialogue going and get the person to open up and tell you stuff. That needs to be open questions. What, where, when, how, why, who? Mm. Similarly, if you're trying to get commitment from people, no good asking close, uh, open questions. It's got to be a closed question. We want a yes, no answer. Hopefully the answer we're going to get is yes. But if we don't, we're going to have to work on turning yes, uh, no into yes. Mm. But it's better um, than getting no answer and then Because being you didn't confused. ask a closed yeah. question. There was, you know, we're all left in ambiguity. So I imagine you would relate the questions back to the objectives exactly. that you set out at the start. Exactly. So we know we're trying to achieve A, B, and C. Therefore, falling out of that, what questions do we need to ask this stakeholder in order to get there? Perfect. All right. So we're planning our questions. And what is the next important thing that we need to do? 
The fifth area we call objections and counters. And really, it's touching on uh, when we're asking closed questions and we get a no answer, how do we turn no into yes? So objections are anything that our stakeholder that can put to us during the meeting that's likely to derail one or more of our objectives. Things that could go wrong, things that are going to derail us like it won't work we don't have the budget we're too expensive we don't have the skills anything that they're throwing at us to put you know as a potential reason why they won't go ahead Mm. is if you like an objection now unless we solve those and resolve those objections we're not going to get to the milestone we hoped to in this meeting so as well as anticipating what those objections might be before the meeting once we've anticipated them we can then work through each of those objections in turn and come up with a really good answer for why that is no longer the case or no longer going to be a showstopper for us Mm. so it's a really rehearsing our argument for turning no into yes and achieving the outcome that we wanted to it means you'll be less flustered as well in the meeting. You're not freaking out about not knowing the answer because you've already got it there. You've already rehearsed it. You're absolutely right. But the corollary of that, of course, mm. is that you're going into the meeting so much more confident. You know, I can walk through brick walls. They can throw everything at me and I know the answer. Yeah, I'm prepared, ready for so, anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so was that was that the last... Was that the last part of the call plan? It's the last formal okay. part. There, there is uh, other bits in the call plan app that help you then derive the agenda of the meeting and set up your timings and structure of the meeting from all that preparation, mm. which is a really useful part of the, the, the meeting planner as well. Um, and then you can email that agenda out to other members of the meeting. Um, once you've prepared your call plan, you can share that with your colleagues so that if oh, there's several of us go into a meeting, we're all on the same page. Um And it's all about being better prepared for meetings. Like they say, failure to plan means planning to fail. Yes. (laughs) And we want our people going into meetings, not planning to fail, but planning to exceed, excel. Mm, Absolutely. So, okay. So tell us about where we can get the call plan from again. Just remind us. So search for JHW call plan um, in the Android or iTunes store. And um, and you can download the the app. It'll cost you, uh, I don't know, it's less than 10 bucks, mm. different in different geographies. Uh, and it runs on both the tablet and the smartphone. Uh, it actually becomes comes prepackaged with some templates, some ideas to get you started for important meetings like a, a job interview, an appraisal, a first meeting with a new stakeholder, and, and various other ones like that. I think there's 10 in in, uh, in in the templates to get you started. Okay. So is it like pre-populated with potential objectives or like what do you mean by a template? Yes. So um, we've got potential objectives already in there. Sure. Generic ones. You'd need yep. to modify them for your own particular meeting, but good ones to start thinking about. There's a, a, in some of them a, a potential opening statement a number of the key questions that you might want to think about. These are all for generic meetings. 
some of those you might reject for your specific one and you'd probably add in your own specific questions but it gives you a a, a starter hmm. to get you going yeah especially if this is your first few times actually planning a meeting yeah that sounds amazing so we'll put a link to we'll also put a link to that in the show notes at jhw.com.au slash call plan and there'll also be a pdf of this of this podcast so the the transcript of this podcast if that if you would like to you know read it or maybe you want to send that to someone who you feel would also benefit from learning how to better plan and run their meetings john was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap well just a quick one um a summary we we've been using this i've been using this personally uh for about 20 years now uh, we've been showing this to participants on our workshops for over 10 years now, getting on for 15 years. And it's one of the things that most people come back to us and they're saying that they've really got some value out of it. The sorts of things they're telling us is they now have much shorter meetings that achieve really good outcomes rather than longer meetings where we just talk about stuff. They talk about having less of those, oh my God moments, because mm. particularly with the objection planning, they're ready for whatever stakeholders throw at them. And they're telling me that they find it much easier to get repeat meetings because stakeholders appreciate when you've been prepared for your meeting, we're, I'm prepared to give you time if we're using that time usefully, but don't waste my time. And I imagine they'll be more more willing to have more meetings with you because, because they know that you're good with them. Good value. Fantastic. Thank exactly. you so much for sharing that with us, John. Thanks, Christina. Look forward to seeing you for the next one. Thank you for listening to Engagement Matters, the podcast brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. To download free resources or to join one of our public engagement skills workshops, visit jhw.com.au.